Hello and welcome to the Wicked Things Podcast. We present to you Stadler House Book 2 Emily. How would you move on if you suffered the terrible loss of your family at a friend's hand? That is what Emily Stevens has been trying to do for almost two decades, but her past seems hell-bent on haunting her till her dying days. She has continued to suffer and now finds herself locked away in a mental health facility. Dr. Stadler, hypnotized and forced her to forget parts of her past, before his incarceration. Dr. Waters, under court orders continues to try and determine if Emily is sane enough to stand trial for murder. Rodney, has moved on as one of the two survivors of the Stadler House Massacre. But it seems fate has put him and Emily in a direct path towards one another. Who knows how this will all end or if it will end. Otherworldly forces are clearly at work in this small town of Port St. John, Florida. Emily huffs and stands up after seeing the power go out and the lines leading to the house turned down by the storm. She places the phone to her ear, followed by a look of disappointment at the lack of any sound coming from the receiver. She pushes down the disconnect a few times, paying careful attention for signs that the phone works. But nothing happens. She slams the receiver on the base. Damn it! Emily notices movement out of the corner of her eye as something passes between the limited light entering from outside through the window and herself. She looks around the room, seeking what may have blocked out the light, but there seems to be nothing. She turns to face the living room, thinking James may have gotten up, but sees him resting in his chair. The hairs on the back of her neck rise, sending the paranoia in the back of her mind to the forefront and ultimately overwhelming her rational mind. She opens a kitchen drawer, hopeful to retrieve a light source. She withdraws a blue plastic flashlight. Emily tries to turn it on, but nothing happens. She bangs it against her opposite palm. The light comes to life, sending a strong and steady beam of light across the kitchen. She sighs in relief as a small part of her troubles have gone. Emily pauses, feeling the sensation of pressure along her back. She turns to investigate the source of the sensation. She questions. James? Emily finds herself thrown across the kitchen, hitting the wall opposite where she once stood. She impacts the wall with such force, the vibration opens cabinet doors and knocks stacked dishes free of the drying rack. The dishes crash to the floor. Emily raises her head to look around the room for answers to what happened. She sees a wisp of dark smoke hovering in the spot she was standing. She watches as it glides across the room toward her. The shadowy thing fills the room as a large cloud of dull black smoke. It coalesces into a humanoid form with a wide, flat head. The translucent smoke seems to turn solid before Emily. Emily jumps to her feet, but the thing moves between her and the living room. It lowers itself close to the floor and runs its hands along the terrazzo floor. The passing of its fingertips create a grinding sound of stone against stone, leaving three deep, long gouges behind. Emily moves away from it and bumps against the wall behind her. Her eyes open wide, seeking a way out of the house once and for all. It keeps repositioning itself between her and the living room. Her voice becomes shaky as she questions it out loud. Who are you? What do you want from me? 
The thing emanates an audible deep laugh that fills the kitchen and living room. It continues to twist its humanoid shape, elongating its limbs, and each hand develops three fingers and thumb, each fingertip ending in a long serrated talon. Its body seems to convulse constantly. Some of its movements jump from start-to-end positions, but the in-between movements are not visible, like a film projector skipping or dropping frames. Emily's heart races, and the building sensation of rhythmic thumping in her temples alerts her to her rising blood pressure. She notices it becoming harder to take full breaths. She forces her body to gulp at the air around her, and notices a smoky, cigarette-like taste in her mouth. The thing glides into the living room towards Mr. Hill. It stops looming over his sleeping body menacingly. It lowers its head close to his ear and whispers outside of Emily's ability to detect any words spoken. Emily watches, frozen in fear, as the shadow creature motions for her to stay silent. It runs a finger down along Mr. Hill's pajama top. Buttons pop off and the pajama top pulls back on its own, revealing the old man's gray, hairy chest as its finger passes by. She desperately calls out, but a whisper is all that emerges from her lips. Leave him alone. It hovers a hand above the old man's mouth. It flicks the CPAP mask off the old man's face. James opens his mouth wide as he snores. It grabs his jaw and holds it open. It waves goodbye and dissolves into a cloud of dark smoke and forces its way into the sleeping old man's mouth and nostrils. Emily feels the hold on her weaken as the last of the creature flows into the body of Mr. Hill. She runs past him and out the front door. She pushes past the howling winds and rain. The winds and rain subside as she steps free of the porch into the soaking wet grass of the yard. Emily spots her car with every door open with the interior lights dead. James steps onto the porch behind her, clearing his throat. You didn't think it would be that easy, did you? Emily turns to face him in anger and points to him, his eyes narrow and Spittle flies as she screams, Listen up, you sick, dying bastard! You may have given up, but not me! I'll walk out of here if I have to! James's expression twists to a menacing smile. He folds his arms, scoffing at her. So, you've abandoned your dying patient all alone in his time of need. How are you going to explain that one? Emily shakes her head and huffs at Mr. Hill's question, unsure what to do. James turns and walks back into the house, leaving the front door wide open. Emily paces back and forth, briefly trying to decide what to do next. Screw you! Paycheck's not worth all this! Emily spins on her heel and runs down the driveway into the woods, she leaps over the tree branches as sparks continue to spray into the air from the down lines. She weaves her way between the trees and finds herself ankle-deep in the now-overflowing swamp encircling the house of James Hill.
Emily trudges deeper into the swamp, but tries to follow the visible parts of the flooded gravel road. She tires fast in her flight from the house, as each step becomes more difficult. To her, the muck on the bottom of the swamp seems to thicken. Her shoes are the first of her clothing claimed by the muck of the swamp. Emily shakes a clenched fist at the sky above, feeling a new band of storms entering the area. The high winds drive swamp water upwards against her face in constant sprays of brackish water. She gags and gasps at the foul waters bogging her down, but her courage remains fast. The first of a series of close lightning strikes and booming thunder quicken her pulse, forcing her to find shelter. She stops under a tree canopy and rubs her arms to stay warm. She catches movement out of the corner of her eye and turns to confront it. Emily's greeted by a stiff wind and hard rain. The wind carries a chorus of children's voices. The voices are faint, but surround her nonetheless. Why didn't you stay and play with us? Emily raises her hand above her eyes to block out the rain. She searches along a nearby bank, illuminated during a brief lightning strike. She takes a couple steps closer, asking, Who's there? The chorus of voices return, that merge with the howling wind to become a booming voice from all around the terrified nurse. The intensity of the question gains urgency with the addition of a lightning strike closer to her than the last. Where do you think you're going, Emily? Emily takes a breath, clenching her fist at her sides. She summons her strength and yells out her response to whatever may be listening. I want nothing more to do with this. Take him. I don't care. I just want to leave. Shadows the size of children emerge from behind trees around her, but they are visible by the light blocked out by their presence. Emily finds herself frozen in place again as they emerge from cover to reveal themselves. The chorus returns. You cannot go. You made the deal. We will be trapped here forever with them. Emily looks confused by the statement made by the children. She rubs the back of her head with a puzzled expression. What do you mean, trapped? The blonde girl, Stephanie, moves closer to Emily. She stops short of the rising water of the swamp. Stephanie points back towards the house and pleads with her. It made him take trophies from each of us. It stops us from being able to move on. It goes against the deal you made. Emily looks to Stephanie, exhaling as she lowers her gaze to the swamp all around her. She turns her attention to the house she fled minutes ago. She fidgets with the bottom of her shirt. I... I can't remember you. It's not that I'm afraid of you, but there's something about Mr. Hill that's not sitting right with me. Stephanie walks along the surface of the brackish water, stopping next to Emily. She kneels down on top of the water's surface. She wipes a bit of muck and mud from Emily's face with her thumb, while caressing her neckline with her fingertips. We're sisters. 
but you knew me by the name they gave me. Anna. Emily, recoiling from Stephanie's touch, shaking her head. No. The world around her spins, and her balance fails. She tumbles beneath the surface of the swamp. A moment passes as Stephanie watches the spot Emily disappeared below. Emily burst out of the water, sending a shower of muck, mud, and brackish water raining down in all directions. Stephanie instinctively raises an arm to protect her eyes from the splash. Emily gasps and faces Stephanie. You can't be Anna. She was a monster. She butchered the children at the group home. Stephanie smiles and nods. Seeing her name alone was enough to break Emily from the stupor inflicted by Dr. Stadler's hypnotherapy session with her. I was Anku's vessel, but without a vessel, he is powerless in this world. Emily rubs the bump on the back of her head. But in the bathroom, he knocked me to the ground. I got hurt. Stephanie shakes her head. No, that was not him. He was trying to reach you to stop it from hurting you. Emily winces in pain for a moment as she touches the most painful part of her head wound. Mr. Hill? Stephanie shrugs and gestures to the other ghostly children. He was the one who killed us all. None of us are sure how he could stop Anku, the entity we made the deal with. He was using me to track down the child murder you knew as Mr. Hill. Emily struggles to reach the shore and cover from the building storm. Stephanie follows her and directs the children to follow. Emily's exhaustion forces her to be selective with her words. How? Stephanie shakes her head and huffs. He has something inside him that allows him to resist Anku. Emily shrugs. Like what? Stephanie narrows her eyes and drums an index finger against her bottom lip. She pauses and looks to Emily, not sure he has encountered nothing like it before. Emily gestures to the house in the distance and asks, You want me to go back and see if I can figure something that will help figure this all out, don't you? Stephanie nods, but then lowers her head and closes her eyes. Yes, but to free us... You would need to complete the pact with Anku. Emily seems lost in thought for a moment. Okay, I'll go back and look around in hopes that I find anything that can set you all free. Stephanie huffs and speaks, but Emily takes off towards the house of Mr. Hill. She fades back across the veils, separating the world of the living and the dead. Good luck, Emily. James sits in his chair, slouched down with his pajama top open wide, revealing a torso revealing a long history of tale-telling in the form of gray ink prison tattoos. A foul grin holds firm on his face, seemingly carved into his corpse like pale skin, his glassy eyes narrow at the front door, and he bites at the air like some kind of savage predator. The smile fades from his face as he turns his head to get a better look at the front door. A low growl exits the old man's snarling facade. The front door opens, and Emily storms into the room, 
She pauses to glare at the old man. Mr. Hill allows a devilish smirk to form on his hollow cheek face. This reveals his now dehydrated, cracked, and bleeding lips to his caregiver. He emits a series of low animal-like growls, uttering a single thought into the space between them. Thought you left. Emily storms across the living room, knocking over stacks of newspapers and old magazines. She stops at the entrance of the hallway, turning and flipping off Mr. Hill as he sits in his chair. Once I'm done, I'm gone. Mr. Hill throws his dinner tray across the room, sending his food scraps flying against the television and sofa next to the front door of his home. He unleashes a menacing scowl as his mouth dribbles foam at its downturned corners. Get my meds, woman. Emily looks to the kitchen table, but does not see her medical bag or his pills. She walks to his side, pointing at the kitchen table. Where did you put my bag? I left it on the table along with your pills. James grabs and throws his oxygen mask to the floor in sloppy, jerking motion. He rolls his eyes up, glaring at her, and points to the hallway, his arms shaking at its full extension. <coughs> my room, bitch! Emily stomps down the hallway, arms folded across her chest, and muttering all manner of foul desires she wished to inflict upon the old man. She bites her lips to stop any more of her words from escaping her. She stops next to the master bedroom door as she notices the bedroom across from it still has its door hanging ajar, slightly. Emily looks through the open door and notices the trunk sits open on its side. She gets more confused seeing it lying empty. She shakes her head and pushes the door all the way open. That was way too heavy to be empty. He must have taken everything out. Emily shrugs and shakes her head, leaving James's childhood room behind. She closes the door behind her and clicks the master lock closed. She pulls on it twice to make sure she locked it. Emily huffs, acknowledging the door is closed and locked tight. Emily throws open the master bedroom door and stands inside. She glances around the room, stopping after spotting her medicine bag and his pill container resting on top of the dark-stained wood dresser, resting opposite the foot of the hospital bed. There you are. Emily stumbles at the foot of the hospital bed. She catches herself shy of hitting the ground. She notices the corner of a box sticking out from under the bed. Emily gets down on all fours and drags out the empty shoebox and casually tosses it on top of the bed. Emily stands up, angry at the interruption of her chosen course to her medicine bag in the pillbox. She takes a step, but again feels something halt her progress. She looks down and spots a small child's arm withdraw under the bed. The hell? Emily returns to the floor and throws the bedspread on top of the bed to stop it from obscuring her view. She's startled by a small ghostly child staring at her. She shrugs and asks the straightforward question, What? The ghostly child withdraws further under the bed, passing through a couple boxes stacked out of sight. 
the arm of the child passes through the boxes and motions for her to investigate the boxes with a simple pad on top of them. A faint voice from beyond the grave reaches her ears. Here. Emily lifts the boxes and places them on the bed and sits next to them. She opens the first box to find an old Bowie camp knife wrapped up in a small child's T-shirt with a faded screen-printed rainbow with the word Groovy sliding down it. Her mind flashes back to the meeting with the ghostly children. She recalls that a dark-haired boy was wearing the shirt. Emily shudders, but mistakes the chills she's experiencing for a result of the discovery. She continues to dig through the boxes, but does not notice the other ghostly children or the entity entering the room. She sets the knife and shirt down next to her, knocking the stack of boxes over. The contents of the boxes fall to the floor below, scattering in every direction. Emily looks down, following the cascade of debris as they tumble to the floor to see where everything ends up. Damn it! Emily looks up, shocked to see the spirit surrounding her. Anku rushes across the room aggressively, but stops in front of her. It looks down at the debris from the boxes and points. She reads the headlines of six of the newspaper clippings scattered across the floor. Family found dead in wood, bodies mutilated by animals. More bodies found in small-town woods. Town residents fear serial killer at large. Hill taken into custody in serial killer case. James Hill questioned in the death of local man. After twenty years in prison, child murderer released. Emily covers her mouth, preventing her gasp from becoming a shriek. She looks up from the clippings, realizing she sits surrounded by Anku and ghostly children. Okay, I will help. This bastard needs to learn a lesson. What do we do next? And who turns his back to Emily, folding his arms across his chest, but looking down to the floor. They must prepare the vessel for me to enter your world. Stephanie sits next to Emily and huffs. Anku is allowed to use vessels that cheated death, but he needs you to let him in. And who gestures to the ghostly children. They nod at the unspoken directive passed down to them. The spirits of the dead children rush at Emily from all sides. Emily's filled with fear at their approach and raises her arms defensively between her and the ghostly children. They attack her, ripping and clawing at her skin. Their assault tears open her delicate flesh. Emily tries to fight and scream for help, but no sound comes out of her. I really like this Stadler House series. If you like it to don't forget to throw us a like or subscribe. But for now this is the Wicked Things Podcast signing off. Until next time. Goodbye.